My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. The signals that allow men and women to find the partners who most please them are scrambled by the sexual insecurity initiated by beauty thinking. A woman who is self-conscious can't relax to let her sexuality come into play. If she's hungry, she will be tense. If she's done up, she will be on the alert for her reflection in his eyes. If she's ashamed of her body, its movements will be stifled. If she does not feel entitled to claim attention, she will not demand that airspace to shine. If his field of vision has been boxed in by, quote, beauty, a box that is continually shrinking, he simply will not see her, his real love, standing right before him. Naomi Wolf, The Beauty Myth. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I have a major author-activist crush on Naomi Wolf. She's amazing. If you haven't checked her workout, please do. I hear from women so frequently who feel ashamed of their looks, their bodies, their sexuality. It's a big reason why I do this show and uh, have my blog. Since Girl Boner was born, I hear from both women and men who are struggling with sexual dysfunction, which can refer to a whole bunch of things, an inability to be aroused sexually, to engage in sex without some kind of uh, physical or emotional pain, or the inability to experience orgasm. Last year, I wrote an article for Dame Magazine about Librito. Have you heard of it? It's a female equivalent of Viagra that's being tested, um, and they expect to be released soon. It increases blood flow, just like Viagra does, to the genital area. So scientists figured that Librito would help relieve what's called hypoactive sexual desire disorder, a condition that uh, affects approximately 30% of women ages 20 to 60, according to New York Times Magazine. I have mixed feelings about that um, statistic. But anyway, uh, what researchers didn't expect was that while the drug effectively improves circulation, just like Viagra does, it hasn't been shown to take care of the problem. Women who were taking it still were not feeling aroused or having improved sexual function. So the question is why, right? So there are so many theories about it. Some have blamed monogamy for female libido tankage because recent studies show that single women with multiple partners tend to have healthier sex drive and other research shows that women are more prone to get bored with monogamy than men are. Others say we just haven't found this perfect chemical blend that, you know, if they just keep trying, they're going to find this this cure-all, this fix for this problem. And physical problems that interfere, interfere excuse me, with women's sex drive are absolutely worthy of attention, right? I totally, totally believe in that. But here's the thing. I don't think most of the causes are addressed enough or even at all in many cases. We have to embrace our bodies and sexuality, not just a little, but fully. I'm telling you, this is like 
free Viagra in a bottle, not in a bottle, free Viagra in our bodies, free Viagra in our minds. You know, it's it's the way that we turn on our entire lives by releasing those um, chains that bind us. Uh, that's not to say that it's an easy thing in our culture, of course, with all these uh, restrictions that we have and um, all these kinds of ways that we learn shame about our bodies and sexuality, particularly women. But it is doable. I know because I've found my way there. A lot of other people have. I've personally learned that when I feel great about my body and I'm emotionally filled by life, not to say it's like easy life, but that I'm doing work that's meaningful to me, my sex drive is healthy and happy too. In other words, you guys help keep me turned on. Isn't that cool? Um, In honor of National Eating Disorders Awareness Week and the week of the Beauty of a Woman Blog Fest, which is the annual event I host uh, celebrating real beauty, and I'm having an absolute blast with, by the way. Thank you, all you festers. If you're listening, you're so inspiring. Uh, Here are some of the ways you can improve your sexual function and so many other life areas by embracing you. Look in the mirror and see beauty, not flaws. Stand there until you see them. (laughs) If all you see is flaws, just look in your eyes and tell yourself you love you. Keep saying it. Eventually, it'll it'll sink in. Uh, Notice negative self-talk. Talk back to it. Don't say anything negative about your body ever. Eventually, you'll think those statements less too. And while you're at it, don't say anything negative about anyone else either. It's amazing. When we embrace ourselves, we also stop judging other people as harshly. It's one of my very favorite things about self-embracement. Steer clear of magazines and other media that promote unrealistic physical ideals. I know that's not easy to do either, but if you focus on empowering stuff, you know, you'll know. It'll make you feel better. It'll make you want to be more yourself, not less. Exercise because you enjoy it or find ways to enjoy it. I had to do that latter because... (laughs) I don't naturally enjoy exercise. I wrote papers to get out of gym class. Um, But instead of thinking about calorie bird or acting like the treadmill hamster, uh, find ways to enjoy activity, to incorporate activity into your life. Walk your dog, you know, um, go hiking with a friend, go dancing, whatever it is that's fun for you. I personally love reading at the gym uh, when I do go, which makes it super fun. Don't diet. I'm sure you've heard me say that at least 500 times, but I'm going to keep saying it because you're still dieting, some of you. I know you are. Uh, Aim to find delicious ways to enjoy mostly healthy whole foods. The more you eat of those, the more you'll want those, and allow yourself some treats too. Communicating with our partners and loved ones is also important, so make sure you're always doing that. Eat a healthy, um, balanced diet. I just said that. Aim for healthy sleep habits. That is what I meant. Sleep deprivation is linked with depressive moods, stress, anxiety, weight gain, poor body image. And it's actually the leading cause of libido loss. You know, people feel too tired to have sex or their bodies don't respond. Pursue work and other pursuits that you enjoy. So important. Masturbate. I don't know why. I always feel like I have to sing about it. Masturbate. Uh, Self-stimulating is so important, right? Because it helps us learn our bodies. Whether you do it with a partner, on your own, make sure that you understand how your body works. And, you know, think about your part. If you're in a relationship and you're like, I don't really want to masturbate, you know, if I could be having sex with my partner and your partner's not around, then fantasize about that person. It'll make your sex hotter next time. I promise. 
seek and celebrate real beauty all around you in aging, in curves, in less curves, in uniqueness, in imperfections, in art, in nature, in laughter, in friendship, in music, in happiness. And of course, if you do struggle with physical challenges, seek guidance from your doctor. Today's first guest is one of the world's renowned experts on the subject of sexual dysfunction in men, which is so important for us all to have compassion and respect for. Dr. Brian Christine is a prosthetic surgeon who specializes in urologic procedures. He's also an active investigator and educator, conducting seminars and lectures for patients, urologists, and primary care doctors on the treatment of ED and his penile implant surgical techniques. In 2011, he was appointed to the governing board of the Society of Urologic Prosthetic Surgeons and now serves as the liaison for the Prosthetic Society in its interactions with the Sexual Medical Society of North America, uh, the largest organizations for accomplished prosthetic surgeons and urologists who specialize in male sexual medicine. So wonderful to have you here, Dr. Christine. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, and it's a real pleasure to be here today, you know. We're not used to having a lot of cold weather down here in Alabama. However, today it's kind of sleety and cold, and uh, I can tell you when Alabama gets hit by sleet or snow, everything pretty much shuts down. So. Oh, I can so imagine. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Minnesota where if we shut down, <laughs> we would never do anything. So then I moved—I live in L.A. now, so I know how it is. I've turned into the person who will—people stay home here when it rains. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> we get very spoiled. Same here. Yeah. Same here, but— but I'm really happy to be on the show. I tell you, male sexual dysfunction, or really sexual dysfunction in general, whatever the gender, uh, you know, is really, I think it's an, an, an understudied area. I think it's an area where we can really have a tremendous impact on the quality of life uh, for our patients, men or women. So I appreciate the opportunity to be on so that we can talk about things that can be done because there are tremendous treatments for male sexual dysfunction or female sexual dysfunction. It's amazing the number of individuals, patients, and even physicians who don't realize the treatments that we have, the opportunities we have to change lives. So thanks for letting me be on today. Oh, of course. Thank you for being here. It's so important to have, as you mentioned, these conversations. I think, you know, oftentimes there can be a lot of shame around you know, our sexuality, especially when there's a, um, you know, a challenge like that. And we've discussed um, erectile dysfunction on this show a bit before, but it was in the context of kind of how the media and uh, porn addiction can, can lead to those kinds of issues. But I understand there are also some very real physical causes. What, what are some of the causes of erectile dysfunction? Sure. Erectile dysfunction, number one, is really common uh, in the United States. It's certainly not an uncommon disease process. We know that as the male population ages or as a man gets older, erectile dysfunction becomes increasingly common. So that as men are in their 40s, certainly 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, erectile dysfunction becomes very, very common. As we get older, both men and women, but as we get older, our blood vessels, our arteries and our veins and our blood vessels, they simply don't have the same uh, health. They don't have the same suppleness, if you will. There can be what our parents are always referred to as hardening of the arteries or cholesterol deposits on the inside of our arteries. So just like as men and women get older, they are at higher risk for heart attack or stroke because of blood vessel disease. Well, the same kind of blood vessel disease is going on in the blood vessels in the pelvis that carry blood to the penis, and so ED is more common as we men get older. And in addition, there are a variety of medical 
conditions that can lead to erectile dysfunction. Diabetes and hypertension, two of the most common, diabetes and hypertension, hypertension or high blood pressure, they both can damage blood vessels, damage the arteries, again, which is why diabetics or hypertensives are at higher risk for heart attack or stroke. They're also at higher risk, much higher risk for erectile dysfunction. And then there can be surgical treatments for prostate cancer, radical prostatectomy, or the surgical removal of the prostate, which is very effective to treat prostate cancer. Unfortunately, a number of men can suffer from erectile dysfunction afterwards, or even perhaps with radiation treatment to treat prostate cancer. So there's a whole spectrum of disease processes that can lead to erectile dysfunction. And then, like I said, simply as a man gets older, there's going to be changes in the body. And unfortunately, a common change is erectile dysfunction. Interesting. Now, I have never heard of implants being a a treatment for uh, erectile dysfunction. I don't know if that's common or maybe it's because I see so many commercials for the different medications. Uh, But how does an implant help with this issue? Well, so penile, penile implants, which are a form of surgical treatment for erectile dysfunction, penile implants have been around for over 40 years. They were actually developed right here in the United States, and they've been around for, like I said, over four decades. Penile implants are prosthetic implants or surgical implants that are placed into the man's body and very specifically into the penis that allow for the formation or the development of a very normal looking and feeling erection. I mean, to kind of simplify it, what we do is actually there are two inflatable cylinders that are placed into the penis. There's a small pump that's shaped kind of like your thumb that's actually in the scrotum just under the skin. And then there is a reservoir that holds sterile water that is actually placed up in the abdomen, all put in through a single incision in a surgery that takes usually around 35, 45 minutes But what happens is, and if you look at a man with a penile implant, you would never know he has a penile implant. Uh, Wives and girlfriends and partners will tell me that during intimacy, they can't tell the difference between an erection produced by a penile implant versus a normal erection. But what happens is when a man wants to have an erection, he reaches down because he can feel the small pump that's in the scrotum under the skin, and he pushes that pump with his fingers, and that transfers fluid. It's sterile water in the system, but fluid from the reservoir into those cylinders, those cylinders fill up with fluid, become very rigid, and that makes the penis rigid. And from the time he wants an erection to the time that he has an erection, it's under a minute. The erection doesn't change, and the implant doesn't change sensation for either partner. You can maintain the erection for as long as one wants, 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour. There's no sexual position you can't use, oral sex, vaginal sex, anal sex. It's all just like a normal erection. When, When the couple is done with intimacy, the individual pushes on the pump again, a little valve opens, the fluid moves out of the cylinders, and the erection goes away. So penile implants are the most invasive way to treat ED. You mentioned about oral medications. We all heard of Viagra and Cialis and those kind of things, and those are great options. But for the man where oral medications don't work well, penile implants have an incredibly high patient and partner satisfaction. Interesting. You know, and when I first hear the term penile implant, and I I imagine a lot of people must think this as well, they're imagining that it would be like, you know, like a breast implant, like it's supposed to be a size thing. But it sounds to me like what you're saying is it's it's pretty small and it's actually more functional. It's not about changing the shape. Is that right? That's a great point. It really is a great point, August, because 
what a penile implant does is it produces a rigid, functional, reliably rigid, reliably functional erection. Because, again, you, you, just like you point out, when you compare it to something like a breast implant, women may say, well, you know, I'd like to have breast implants. I would like to, you know, perhaps have a bigger bust line. Well, with a penile implant, trust me, I get men who come in and say, hey, listen, I want to have a bigger, longer penis. Put a big implant in me. It doesn't work that way. You can't make the penis longer or bigger than it would normally be with a penile implant. What you can do is give that individual an erection that's rigid and firm, uh, but you're not going to make you're not going to make him larger either in girth or length than he has been before. Interesting. And can he? So he still, if there's fluid, will he still ejaculate normally? Is it like a normal? Everything else is normal. Absolutely, sensation is normal uh, for both the man and his partner. Sensation is normal. Urination is normal orgasm and ejaculation are normal. So the implant really, it doesn't affect any of those things. It simply makes the penis rigid. It simply produces an erection. But the, but the other but the other things that you're talking about, those functions or those responses are completely unchanged. Wow. And I imagine you hear from, from couples often afterward, is the response generally pretty good? Does it have mixed results for people? Or what do you hear from uh, from patients? Yeah, so, you know, when you think about the different treatment options that we have for erectile dysfunction, again, we've all heard of the pills, pills that you can use to treat erectile dysfunction, and those are really effective in some patients. There's other treatment options. There's the penile implant we talked about. There's also something called injection therapy, where my nurses and I, or a physician, and, and, and all can work with a patient to teach that man to use a very small needle and syringe, kind of like a diabetic would use to inject insulin, a small needle and syringe that you actually inject medication into the penis, which sounds really painful, really uncomfortable. It's not so bad. Injection therapy's been around for two or three decades, but that can produce an erection. So we have different treatment options. The advantage of the penile implant is is of all those options, consistently, the penile implant has a very high patient and partner satisfaction in the range of 90, 95%. If you take men who have had a penile implant, and and we've done this, there have been multiple studies that have looked at this, and you say, listen, number one, are you satisfied? The satisfaction rate is well over 90%. If you ask them, would you recommend this to a friend, again, over 90%, and if your implant breaks, would you have another one put in? That number is probably 95, 97%. So it's a very satisfying treatment option. Awesome. Gosh, well, thank you so much for, for sharing. I feel like this is a, a topic that, as you said, not many people know about or are necessarily comfortable discussing. And I think hearing a professional talk about it in such practical terms could, could bring some comfort. So thank you so much. Uh, to learn more about your work, uh, what's the best way to, to get more information? Sure. You know, we're in the age of the Internet, and there's certainly some information on the Internet that may not be the best. However, if you certainly go to a way, if you go on the Internet and you Google penile implants or you Google prosthetic surgeons, they'll become, surgeons will come up. You can investigate things that way. The companies that make the penile implants, there's American Medical Systems. There's also a company called Coloplast, but American Medical Systems is the company that I do most of my work with. They have the longest history and tradition of making penile implants. American Medical Systems, their website is really excellent information. My name is Brian Christine, just like a woman's first name, Christine. If someone Googles me, they can certainly get to my practice's website and my website. And I'm certainly always happy to talk to individuals. And what I like to say is I like to try to really preach the gospel of sexual healing and erectile restoration 
and treating male and female sexual dysfunction because there is good news that we can treat and we can really help men and women. So we're happy to do that. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Christine. Uh, You can learn even more by going to edcure.org or calling 1-800-4-EDCURE. Now we're going to talk about another type of action. Get it? That's why I'm not a comedian. Um, (laughs) Our next guest, (laughs) Melanie Wise, was born in Detroit and raised in Silver Hill, Alabama. We just had another guest from Alabama in here. Uh, She's been acting and producing professionally in films for over a decade. She was the lead actress of an award-winning horror action film called Hannah's Gift and has experience in all facets of filmmaking, from producing to sound editing to her latest brainchild which I'm so excited about. She's launched the Artemis Film Festival, which is aimed at empowering women and celebrating kick-ass women in action films. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So what inspired you to start this? Um, Probably many factors. The most of it is, is action is my sweet spot. I absolutely love it. I love to watch it. It's exciting. It doesn't matter whether it's a man, woman, or a dog. Um... But I've always felt like I I grew up on a farm. Um, I was raised by a man. We had tasks that we were not considered any different than boys. So it never occurred to me to look at myself as being a weaker sex because I was relied upon as an able body. So um, and, and as a child, it just stuck out loud to me that women have an extraordinary amount of power that has been overlooked, ignored and Sadly, uh, culturally, we need women to be the weaker sex. And one of the reasons why we did the festival is literally to spotlight the fact that, it, especially in the last three years, it is such an extraordinary growing trend in all media platforms, and no one is really saying anything about it. Wow. Fascinating. You know, I love the fact that... Whenever I meet somebody who, who, it's a rare rare case, who was not raised with those kind of gender, you know, boxes, I guess you could say, you know, you just see that it is not, because people will say, well, it's because you were born with a woman brain. And it's like, that's like saying you have a woman liver. We all, you know what I mean? (laughs) All of our parts are, I mean, you know, a gender is a spectrum. And so many of the things that they attribute to our, our, you know, different sexes are just, you know, kind of made up and mythical. And it's interesting because I was actually thinking of my favorite female action stars and movies, you know, leading up to this chat. And I was really surprised. Maybe you wouldn't be because you research this stuff and you know so much about it. But I was looking up several of my favorites and they were not listed as action films. No. Um, one of them, <laughs> don't laugh at me. You can laugh at me. For some reason, I love this movie. It didn't get the greatest reviews. Uh, my super ex-girlfriend, Uma Thurman. Oh, the superhero one. I love her. I love that movie. Okay. Awesome. Excellent well, movie. She's amazing. She I, she's a badass. And I, I loved the movie. I saw it when I was in London. And I just, I thought it was incredible. So I thought for sure this is going to be on like the list of the top action movies. It's listed as a romantic comedy. I know. What's up with that? Does that happen a lot? Oh, absolutely. No, well, they, they, you know, for a lot of years, women in action was considered box office poison. So they don't know how to market it. And that's one of the reasons why they do it. Um, Aliens, one of the first action films are really big action hits. You know, they, I believe they market it as science fiction. And it's probably more technically a horror action film. 
Wow. So, I mean, you see that kind of stuff all the time. I, um, oh God, that thought just totally left the building. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one that happens to. My, sometimes it happens in the middle of a sentence and I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to be hosting the show and I just bounced into Neptune. So don't even worry about it. Do you have a favorite action film? It's such a long list. Um, obviously things like Terminator 2 and, um, Aliens are ones where when I was younger, I looked at those and I was like, that's the shit, man, <laughs> because it's just so beautiful. Um, and I also I have a a couple of things. I think racism is the last bastion of um, I think sexism is the last bastion of acceptable racism. You know, he's a guy, she's a girl. We th- just along the lines of what you were thinking, and I think that until we can look at women and see them in as physical equals to men, we're going to keep being seen as less. Yeah. And that—that's the biggest reason why I wanted to do this. Beautiful. You've said that you believe that a festival of this nature, that this kind of work can change the world. I completely agree. Could you talk about that a bit? How do you feel that that film can change some of these stereotypes and sexism? Here's the well, best example I can think of off the top of my head is when Terminator 2 came out so many years ago. They had record gym sales. And it was women signing up at the gym to go work out and make some muscles and strength. So the film industry, especially from the United States, we have a very, very loud voice that is heard the world over. We have an amazing responsibility and opportunity to make really nice messages. We, this is something that we can easily do if we chose. And, and one of the things that's kind of mind-numbing is in the last couple of years, some of action films starring women have made so much money. Um, in 2013, only 15% of the top 100 studio films had a woman in, in the lead. We're not even talking about action. In the lead. This year, it's down to 12%. So for every 100 films that Hollywood is producing, 12 of those films had a woman as the protagonist. You're kidding. No, I'm not. I had no... That is, that is really, really yeah. sad. The, the statistics, and I mean, if you go to Gina Davis Institute, I mean, she's been banging... I the, love her institute. Yeah, she's been banging the gender drum for a lot of years, and I, it's time. It's really time. Patricia Arquette at the Oscars. Yeah. Just amazing. I know. What, I, I admire celebrities so much when they use their platform to mm. better the world, you know, and so many do. I think it's... It's so commendable. Um, it's it's so interesting to me. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert, the author, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, a bunch of other books. Yes. I heard her speak uh, this last year, and she talked about how women have historically not had hero stories. No. None. No. None. She went all the way back. I mean, it was, it was fascinating because she said, you know, if we don't have those models, we have nothing to aspire to. Well, and and, yeah. and th- 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 those models also give us a way of seeing a much greater realm of possibilities for ourselves. I mean, when <clears throat> I was growing up, I mean, it was I, I, first of all, I grew up in the South, so it was expected that you got married, had kids, you know, the standard crap that a yeah. woman is supposed to do. And I think that one of the hardest jobs any woman can do is be a mother. I bow deeply to anyone who takes up that role. But it's never something – I mean, it's like I never even thought 
about this was the path that I was going to be on. You know, I'm just going to get married and have kids and someday I'll have grandkids. And You thought that was the path you were going to no, be on? Or you, it just no. never even, yeah. I hear you there. I, I never had the, I had so many friends when I was a little kid that, they would. They had their names picked out of their kids, and they'd ask me, and I'd be like, "I just look for a word somewhere." Consulting. Oh, that's not a good kid's name. Um, <laughs> that's just actually what I thought. But you know what I mean. I did yes. have that dream. I dreamed of. You know, I wanted romance. I wanted a an adventure partner, is what I would say. But I just didn't have those dreams. And it's so nice, you know, that we have choices. Absolutely. You know, and um, it's it's interesting because not everybody sees that they do or there's still a lot of pressure you know to be certain ways i talked earlier on the show about how our beliefs about our bodies and ourselves can really influence uh how we feel about our sexuality our sex drive our sexual performance absolutely um and i think it's so important talking about female strength like you said seeing you know toughness i think that is so empowering i feel like Watching action films, you know, em- embracing our own strength. Oh, yeah. Don't you feel like that also helps cultivate a strong sense of sexual empowerment? What do you think the connection is there? I think it's incredibly, um, it's so connected because I actually believe that what we, how we hold our sexual energy is also how we hold our creative energy. So, um, based on that, um, those two things, I, I don't see much separation there. And I believe that the more we empower one, our creativity, our, our creative juices and our ability to push that those things out into the world becomes a completely different ballgame. That is so true. Yeah. That is so true. And I find it, that connection to be very true as well in my life. It, feel, it feels to me that when we have passion in our lives, we have passion in our bedrooms and vice versa Absolutely. you know that they can work with each other but if there's shame around either one or barriers we don't even know are there and well but the other part of it that that's really interesting to me is as i've looked at um sexual garbage because we all get it mm-hmm. um but as i've looked at that uh, it has been very loud to me how much it shadows what i'm willing to creatively put out into the world you know, it also, and, and the more shame we hold around those things, the less that we actually go, woohoo, world, here I am, the less we have a choice in creating the life of our own design. And I, women have so much strength that has not been nearly tapped. And one of the things I think becomes very important to address is that I don't think having a strong woman requires a weak man. I think if we really, really want to see strong, beautiful, empowered men, we have to have a strong woman to go with them. And it won't happen any other way. Thank you for saying that. That's such a beautiful point because I think there is that fear that one person has to be the strong one. Yeah. But I have found, I mean, to to be with somebody who's outspoken about what I talk about, for example, that doesn't take a weak guy. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? he's going to have to have a really, really strong sense of self to be with you. And I, and I, yeah. And and with you, with what you're doing, I think it's so wonderful. And thank you for saying that because a lot of um, men listen to this show too. We love you guys. You know, I think it's it's important to know that strength, embracing our, our strength, helps everybody. It does. It really does. What is uh, the goal that you have then with Artemis Film Festival? Obviously, you want more light on these topics, but what are you looking forward to? Um, I, I would love to see um, 
women having a place in society where it isn't that's a woman's job or that's a man's job. I would like to see that it's just a job. It's not based on gender. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also just purely, you know, with the festival, have the fun that is around women in action. I mean, let's face it, you watch women doing kick-ass stuff and everybody gets excited. The outpouring of stuff that we've received from the festival, we actually originally designed a very small festival. Um, we were, were overwhelmed with the submissions. Um, our current design, uh, we don't have the budget to support I mean, our curtain design is going out of the window because the amount of submissions we have. So, the, and, and from the globe over, so the, the, everyone around the world is excited about this. Yay! Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, it is. It, it is. They um, just need somebody to to you know do the gateway, open the doors. And yeah. Well, I mean, anything. we're having a, a a good growing pain, and that is you know the need to raise money. We are doing that on um, out with our crowdfunding effort on uh, it's called WomenKickAss.com. You know, so um, and we can donate there, right? Yes, you can. So, how long does the campaign go? It ends on um, March four, so we are counting down to the last days. We are, for some reason, people have not gotten the urgency of the message that we're sending. We really do need some. We we need some. We need a lot of contrib- contributions very quickly. Um, so we can go to that website. We can mm. make a donation. Uh, I know that you also have some. Are you giving away? Uh, we have all kinds of stuff there. We got some really cool stuff. I think what my favorite thing is we're going to do actually do a photo album of the event. Um, we're going to try and get some, you know, or, or have the photographs autographed. You know, all of you know. So it's going to be, and I'm going to, you know, there's going to be a certain block that we use in that photo album that I'm not going to put out to press. So it's going to be a very exclusive photo album. Um, of all of the people awesome. that showed up to the event. Yeah. That's so fabulous. And it takes place in April April 24th to 26th, is yes. that correct? Yes. And where will it be held? We are, uh, like I said, with our growing pain, we're actually looking at a couple of locations downtown. Um, it will most probably be in downtown Los Angeles. We're trying to accommodate the number of submissions as opposed to having a teeny tiny festival that shows only a few films. In, and with the support of the crowdfunding, we get to make a bigger statement about empowering women. Fantastic. We don't want it to be a, a blip on the screen. Absolutely. I'm with you there. And yeah. every bit counts. I know that one thing, you know, when I've been supporting causes before and friends will ask, and maybe I'm in a place where I can't donate a lot, there have been times where I've been like, it's kind of embarrassing that I'm only sending $5, but then when I've when I look at it, I think, you know what? If everyone who thought that donated five, so every bit counts, right? Whether Absolutely. you can do five dollars, five hundred dollars, five thousand dollars. Exactly. Right? What's no. your goal with the fundraising? Our fundraising goal is seventy-five thousand dollars, and right now I think we're just under twelve thousand. So our crowdfunding has been very slow. I mean, despite the fact that we are getting amazing amount of traffic to the page, so somehow we're not communicating the urgency that's there. Okay, so let's let's pull out our wallets and and put some money toward those strong women that that beautiful support. I just I wish you the best of luck. You're Thank also you've so kindly donated an incredible prize for our blog fest. Uh, Melanie has donated not only a an awesome kick-ass woman postcard, but a 60-minute Skype consultation session with all your expertise. You're going to be able to. Uh, I, I know so many people who have these dreams of. Of filmmaking, no matter where they are in the career, it yeah. sounds like that's a very versatile um, gift, you know. And and uh, 
a beautiful way to also contribute to that yes absolutely community. well uh, yeah um with with our with the technology that we that we have it opens the door for a lot of people to start making their own content um it does take know-how it takes tips and tricks and stuff like that so um and having done a lot of it you can do a lot more than you think you can i love that that is always that's a great mantra in life isn't it yeah. it's like don't set a ceiling for yourself, you know, dream really big, go after it. I, I just did my first, uh, I've been kind of like nervous about getting into video. I, I love being like, I've been an actress before. So yes. I, the on camera stuff's fun for me, but because I'm, I'm very comfortable here in this format, adding video, I've wanted to, and I was like nervous about the technical stuff. Easy. And so for me, I ended up realizing, well, you know what? Delegating some of those roles is important, but we set a date. We just made it happen. And I think that that's really important. And it sounds like you could give that kind of insight too, like, you know, whether you need additional sources or if you could do it all yourself and, and that kind of thing. That and, you know, how, how you set up your post-production flow can be a make or break. And that's, you know, it's one of those where you walk into it and you're always going to have things that you don't think of. And po so post is not only is it hard work, but it is a litany of problem solving. And so you have to really be able to come to the table with some creative solutions because unless you have unlimited funds, you don't get to go back and, oh, well, let's reshoot this thing. Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, with some good forethought and planning, there's a lot of those things that can be avoided. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. I'm so glad we have so many options now. It can be overwhelming, but at the same time, it's like if you just look for the guidance, take that first step. Yes. No. And, and it's an extraordinary learning curve. It that really is. is. But I mean, and, and if you're willing to take that on, um, there's so much you can do. I mean, y you need a computer um, anymore. You're getting full HD. Um, it's not a, a great codec for editing, but you're getting full HD on a camera. Yeah. You know, and there are people who are actually going out and making movies with their with their, their phones. You know what's so amazing? I just, I had my first cooking show appearance recently, Veeg awesome. Mama. You guys have to check it out. She's awesome. <laughs> she has this vegan cooking show. I was blown away. She films it in her kitchen right. with an iPhone and an iPad. Yeah. It, you'd never know it. Yeah. I mean, it's, she has the little, what's it called? The stand that you put the... Little tripod. <laughs> tripod. There yeah. we go. See? <laughs> I knew there was a word in there somewhere. Um, but I was I was amazed. The quality is so great. There's so much that we can do. There is. Um, and we also have to be creative in terms of how you want to push that out into the world anymore. Um, I would say probably in not a, a great number of years, our studio system is not going to be there. We have so many platforms that are is pushing content yeah. out. So Things I mean, are just changing so much. They really are. It's and incredible. so you have to approach, you know, yes, absolutely have an idea of what you want and, and have and make that idea what your absolute what dream would be around it. And then once you get it finished, also look at how else you can put it out into the world to start building your voice, your brand, your resume. And we have so many options right now. Yeah. That Oh, and and make doable. sure you have those strong women in those projects, you know? Absolutely. I think it's such a beautiful way to uh, 
to create those experiences for for women, for yes. the actors, for the stories. It's just it's just awesome. To learn more about Melanie and her wonderful work, make sure you go to ArtemisFilmFestival.com and to donate whatever you can, head over to WomenKickAss.com. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and review, and hop over to my website, AugustMcLaughlin.com for show extras and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.